Hi, folks. Be sure to visit my webpage at dr-history.com for over 440 true stories of the Old West. Also, now available on Amazon, my first book, a historical fiction based on true events entitled Coal Miner to Cowboy. The story of a young man born in England in 1850. He wants to be a cowboy and makes his way to America, travels from New Orleans to Independence on a steamboat, hires on as a teamster to Santa Fe, then on a cattle drive to Bozeman, Montana. He also rides shotgun on a stagecoach. He travels with a wagon train, and on his two-year journey, he meets some famous people and keeps a journal of his adventures. The book contains a lot of the true stories from my podcast and is now available on Amazon. Visit my webpage for a link to Amazon for the book, Coal Miner to Cowboy. Right now, ladies and gentlemen, it is time for the one, the only, oh, there's a blessing there, Dr. History. Good morning, Zeb. Hello, buddy. Yeah, nice day out there today. It's a nice 34 degrees. It's warm right up. It's damp and chilly out there. It is. It is. But... Have you heard from Dr. Wiebel Fluster, nope. Schneister, whatever nope. his name is? Not for a while. He yet. probably got mad at me for mispronouncing his name. <laughs> Schnitzel Fluster. Schnitzel. Oh, how could I forget? How could you forget that? Yes. So I ran across an interesting fact here this week. Uh, has nothing to do with, well, it does sort of. So there were, there are four people that could have been sitting at a card table together at the same time in the same era. Okay. Wait a minute. What are, you, what are you saying? Okay. Pay attention. I'm trying to. <laughs> okay. A proper Victorian Englishman, a pirate, uh-huh. a samurai warrior, and a cowboy were all in the same era. Really? So if you went to San Francisco, in the proper situation, you might have seen all four of those guys sitting at a table. And none of those people are really, uh, it doesn't bode well. <laughs> it doesn't. Anyway, I just thought that was an interesting yeah. off-the-cuff okay. fact. Probably up in, what was the name of that district uh, on the wharfs in San Francisco, the uh, where they had all the crime and the murders and everything? Oh, no, I can't remember. What was the name of that place? Back in the 1800s, 1900s? I know oh, what you're talking about. Oh, you know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So we're going to continue our saga of the Cowboys, the Cowboys' life. Okay. And certain things, and you, I think you're going to enjoy this. Okay, well, shoot from the shoot hip Shoot from there. the hip. So the Cowboys' identity was the horse. That was his, that was his uh, identity, right? You didn't mess with his horse. No. No. But I found some interesting facts here. The range was no place for a man on foot. Of course, distances were too great, and without horses... It would have been impossible to round up, brand, and drive millions of longhorns over those plains. Few, now, this is something interesting. A few cowboys actually owned a horse. What? Yeah. But they all rode. Uh, the mounts were supplied by the ranks they worked for. And you think about cattle drives, all those horses in the Remuda were owned by the owner of the cattle drive. Well, yeah, but in order for the cowboy to get to the ranch to ask for the job, he had to have a horse. He might have borrowed one. I don't know. But I'm just telling you, a lot of them didn't (laughs) own their own horse. Uh, But now, if he did, if he did own his own horse, uh, what he would do, uh, he would... uh, 
put it into the ranch's common pool as a gesture of his commitment to the rancher. And he always treated it as a tool, feeding it when he had time to and burning. I thought this was interesting, burning it out after seven years of hard riding. Really? So a good horse could only last maybe seven years. But think about the hours and the miles and the cold and the heat. And after seven years, you know, they were pretty much done. So but sometimes in emergency situations on a long trail drive or a grueling roundup, horses were literally ridden to death. Well, I think that's a sad commentary, but I don't buy into it as being common fact. Probably not. Right. Uh, So but and. It, but it did happen. I and think heard, some of the people that write books and stories of the Old West take a little uh, leniency to uh, change some of the real attitudes. I, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> you do, too. <laughs> so, well, I and, you know, I have heard of horses actually freezing to death, oh, yeah. Yeah. you know, yeah. even while the cowboy is sitting on them. Yeah. So, but now a uh, there's a favorite ring story that tells of three cowboys who rode their horses into a desert saloon where an Easterner was having a drink at the bar. The stranger was kind of jostled and complained about it to the bartender, who happened to be an ex-cowpuncher himself. The bartender said coldly, quote, what the heck are you doing here afoot anyway? Uh, just one second, though. <laughs> I would like to make sure that we try to stay as close to historical fact yes. as possible. What the what heck? heck? Oh, yeah. yeah uh-huh. That's what it says right here. Uh, you know, and it's true. A man afoot is no man at all. That's what they yeah. was a favorite saying. Yeah. And it was true. A cowpuncher uh, named Joe Morris put it this way, uh, that dismounted the cowboy was just a plain bow-legged human who smelled very horsey at times, slept in his underwear, and was subject to boils and dyspepsia. <laughs> Well, you were complaining about that when you came in. <laughs> no, and that was riding my pickup. <laughs> now, a second tool indispensable to both the cowboy's work and his image was the rope or yep. the lariat, yep. uh, expertly thrown uh, around the horns or the hooves, uh, which enabled a little 140-pound man to capture a 1,000-pound animal, and a rope could be transformed into an instant corral when it was stretched by several men. It could be used as a hobble to keep a horse from straying away in the night. Uh, hitched around the saddle horn, of course, it served to drag firewood or pull a mired cow out of the bog. And the rope was on certain rare occasions shaped into a hangman's loose noose, <laughs> loose noose to carry out short order justice when someone was caught in an absolutely unforgivable crime such as horse stealing. Yeah. Cowboys even dreamed that if one made of horsehair was placed in a circle around a sleeping man, it would protect him from snakes. Now, I've heard that. So have I. But I want to back up and ask you about this as far as the horse stealing. Uh, Look how lenient the law has become from the 1800s of stealing a horse, which was basically, in many cases, a death knell if the man was stranded, to today where you can't hardly even stop them if they come on your property. It's terrible. Another proud cowboy possession was a gun. Oh, yeah. Now, a lot of cowhands used their guns as playthings, passing time by taking pot shots at targets and the most common practical use was for hunting 
yeah. uh, the, the Colt revolver. And despite its inaccuracy, a lot of those guys were terrible shots. Uh, there, that goes without saying. Yeah. Uh, it was convenient to carry and serve to kill rattlesnakes, to yeah. finish off a horse that had a broken leg, or to turn aside a stampede when it was fired directly, directly in front of the leaders. But uh, shootouts with fellow cowboys rarely occurred. A guy named Homer Grisby, a cowhand, declared that he never saw a gun drawn on another man. Yeah. And, you know, of course, movies and TV show happened all the time. But you it think? It didn't happen. Well. <laughs> so much, you know. Yeah, I was going to say, it wasn't a common occurrence, but it did happen. Sure. And there's stories about Tombstone, Arizona, and Dodge City, and others. Right. Yeah. yeah. The cowboys, they would weigh themselves down with firearms whenever they paid a call on a girl, confident that she would be impressed. But in trying to appear manly, more than one cowboy managed to look just plain silly. <laughs> Those things were heavy. Yeah, if you had one on each side, yeah. Mike could hardly You better walk. make sure your belt's good or your pants are coming yeah. down. So, you know, in other ways, too, cowboys were conscious of their appearance. They would spend as much as a four months' wages on a hat with a fancy sweatband. Yep. The hat, you know. Yep. Their boots were custom-made, costing sometimes more than $50 a pair Two months' wages. If a cowboy could not get to a bootmaker in person, he would spread an order blank on the bunkhouse floor and trace the shape of his feet really? and send that to the bootmaker. Really? But boots were highly functional in design. The sole was made of a, a thin leather so they could f- get a good feel for the stirrup. Mm-hmm. Um, and the tops were generally at least 17 inches high to prevent twigs and pedals from getting, pebbles from getting inside. Hills were high, narrow, and undersloped to hold the stirrup firmly, and the pointed toe helped the rider slip easily into the stirrup, uh, and slip free if he was thrown. And unfortunately, there was a common form of death among cowboys was being dragged yep. by a horse. Getting you know? hung up. Yeah. Yep. And I know personally of, situation anyway yeah but you know cowboys also tended to be rough in their humor in one you don't say (laughs) in one typical practical joke a trail cook would tie all the sleeping cowboy spurs to a log and then rouse them with a shout that breakfast was ready and so they get up and, of course, fall down. Another joke. Was oh, that's that, good humor. Yeah. I can see where uh, that cook was fearing for his life. Yeah. Another joke was to put pie dough in a sleeping man's beard. <laughs> I hadn't thought of that. Yeah. Well, you don't have a beard. You don't have to worry You about do. It. I do. <laughs> now, complaining was considered unprofessional. It irritated others, and there was no sympathy whatsoever. The Englishman, John Browman, was astonished at the ability of his fellow workers to endure pain without making a fuss. Really? He remembered the cowhand who rode off one morning to shoot a wild turkey. A distant gunshot was heard, and while later, the cowboy returned to camp sat down and began to whittle a stick. After he'd finished shaving the stick, he bared his leg and revealed a deep bullet wound in the thigh. Oh, my. The horse had stumbled, and the six-shooter in his hand had gone off accidentally. He wrapped a rag around the stick, pushed it into the wound to scrape out the gunpowder, and then rode 30 miles to a surgeon with his leg across the saddle horn. Tough guy. Tough guy. Yeah. <laughs> never said a word. Yeah, never said no, a word. No, never complained. No. Yep. 
But this kind of ability to endure was fundamental to a cowboy's survival. On a given day, a cowboy could find himself in the middle of a prairie fire, quicksand, or a stampede. And on any day, he could be thrown or kicked by a horse, charged by a steer, or half-frozen on a winter surge for strayed livestock. Now, Zeb, I'm sure in your experience, you've probably never been kicked by a horse. (laughs) (laughs) More times than I wish to remember. Yeah, and me, not only horses, but cows. The worst was in the face. Yeah, I, I got it got, in the face. Oh, yeah, yeah. But milking cows, I yeah, I occasionally caught a cow cow hoof. Yeah. But on a trail drive, a puncher might work eighteen hours a day, seven days a week. He might have to travel eighteen hundred miles with no comforts other than a campfire and his bedroll. At times, the weather turned so hot that a cowboy had to cool his horse's bit in water to keep the hot metal from blistering the animal's mouth. Now, I'd never heard That's of that. That's hot. Yeah. That's Arizona hot. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, there's a lot of tribulations where they're just part of the game. Uh, a piece of advice that about the winds of the Great Plains ran, quote, hang a log chain on a post. If the wind raises the chain straight out from the post, it's a calm day. <laughs> but when the end links start snapping off, expect rough weather. <laughs> I've heard that. I yeah. love that. I love so, that. you know, exposure to the extremes of the weather and the cattle country frequently brought on pneumonia. And, you know, if a cowboy got injured or something and then got pneumonia, yeah. sometimes that was the end it's of it. It's all over. Yeah, he was done. It's all over. Now, this is interesting compared to TV. Silence at mills was general the general custom. Yep. And big talkers were called leaky mouths. Leaky mouths. Leaky mouths. Okay. An old uh, story told of two partners in a lonely cow camp who heard bellowing noises in the night. One of them suggested, quote, bull. The other said, quote, sounds like an old steer to me. Not another word was spoken, and the two went to bed. The next morning, one of the cowboys began packing up his horse. Leaving, asked his companion. The other replied, yep, too much argument. (laughs) (laughs) Couldn't take it. Oh, my. (laughs) But, you know, that really is true what you said. Uh, And a lot of depictions in the movies, there's a Joel McRae movie where they all would come into the bunkhouse, or not the bunkhouse, but the uh, ranch owner's house for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And they'd sit at the table and not say a word. Yeah. Now, you're going to enjoy this part. Oh, boy. Here we go. (laughs) About the only time a cowboy let his tongue run free was in swearing. Oh, well. A little profane. Why did you say that about me? Oh, I I don't know. I just thought you'd like it. It just fell out. Cowboy talk was somewhere around one-third profanity and obscenity, which was either directed at horses and cattle or used as the salt and pepper of ordinary speech. It's okay to curse at a cow. Yeah. I mean, that's forgivable. They're the dumbest things in the world. (laughs) Son of a... Gun, gun, boy, you had, folks, doctor, with your luck of absolutely tongue twists, I thought, oh, no, here we here go. Here we go. So, folks, you can fill in the word yes. for gun. Son of a gun, in particular, seems to have been part of every other sentence. Swearing, it was said, quote, takes the strain off the liver. There you <laughs> So I know you know a lot of cowboys that took the strain off the liver. However, it was not permitted everywhere. Uh, 
a number of cattle owners forbade profanity on their ranches and fired men who did not keep their language clean. Oh, my. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. So... And, but, and they wore dresses, too, didn't they? <laughs> for dances, sometimes they did. Uh, but, you know, a lot of cowboys, uh, a number of them were raised to be good Christians and remained God-fearing men all their lives. Some even became preachers after they left the range. Now, marriage was a mode of life that most of the cowboys just couldn't do. They were always on the move. Uh, nice girls were few, and their pay was too low to support a family. Uh, but, you know, a lonesome cowboy uh, would travel miles, by one account, to just sit on a porch for an hour or two and watch some homesteader's red-faced daughter rock her chair and just sit there and not that's say a word. I, that's what I did when I was courting the end. Yeah. Just sat on the porch. <laughs> Never said a word. Never said a word. The, in a newspaper account, it said, quote, let a cowboy be alone in the presence of a good woman, and there is no finer gentleman produced by nature. And that's the way they were. Well, sure. Okay. Now, cowboys were proud of their jobs. They did a good deal of bragging about it. They bragged even more about acquaintances who were better men than themselves, and none better than a cowpuncher named Ed Lemon, who I've never heard of. I haven't either. Who, by his own estimate, saddle-handled more than a million cattle in his lifetime. Really? A million. Wow. Lemon set the record for the most cows. Who, who really counted? Good question. <laughs> but he he uh, he did set a record for the most cows, 900 cows, cut out of a herd and branded in a single day. 900 Himself? cows. Himself? Well, you know, he would just bring them to the fire. Oh, yeah, you know? but I mean, that's... That's a lot of cows. Uh, okay. An Arizona you know, rancher... cowboys do brag a lot. Occasionally. Yeah. An Arizona rancher once boasted that he had riders who could calmly roll a light and light a cigarette while busting Mustangs. Uh-huh. Okay, you're going to like this, too. I'll bet I will. A Montana man replied that his riders broke horses with the same technique, except... That what the horse saw when he looked back was the cowboy, quote, quietly shaving, holding a small mirror in one hand and the razor in the other with the mug, hot water and bay rum in a little basket on his arm. Are you perhaps giving some tall tales here? (laughs) I wouldn't do that. I see. Uh, Anyway... uh, you know, I mean, it's a great story, right? Well, you know, the old, uh, the song, or not song, but the uh, the poem about Pecos Bill. Yeah, Yeah, sure. that's pretty windy. That is, that yeah, is. That's pretty windy. You know, but as I said, a cowboy's life, it, it was hard. It was yeah. literally hard. Yeah. And it was not difficult to find, uh, you know, it was just hard, grueling, lonely, sometimes violent uh, on the range. And in one ma- uh, man's brief year-end written report to an absentee ranch owner back east, here's what he said, because the absentee landowner wasn't there. Yeah. And here's what he wrote, quote, Dear Sir, we have brand 800 calves this roundup. We have made some hay potatoes is a fair crop. That Englishman you left in charge at the other camp got too fresh, and we had to kill the son of a gun. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing much has happened since you left. Yours truly, Jim. You had to kill him. <laughs> I don't know why I'm laughing. People are out there saying, how cruel. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> we don't know for sure what yeah, happened, but yeah. anyway, so that's kind of the uh, interesting life of a. But cowboy. it was an open and honest lifestyle. It was, yeah, and yeah. Uh, and it still is today. I think. Oh, I think so. I mean, you, yeah. you think about the cowboys you've met over oh, the years, yeah. and uh, I've been to the national finals a couple of times and uh, met some of the bull riders and a few of those guys, and uh, just good, down to earth, humble. Uh, men that just go out and do their job and, and no do the best they can. And no complaints. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, you see them uh, coming off a bull ride, uh, hobbling a little bit, uh, you know, or they get really banged up, and yet you, you don't see them coming off complaining. They, no. They just get up and... They're not like baseball and football and basketball players that are going to go on uh, injured reserve for a month and a half. Well, you've seen them out there, I'm sure, with... Uh, like a cast on their arm, maybe, oh, yeah. or uh, yeah, absolutely. wrapped up. Yep. You know? Yep. So, anyway, that's the story. There you go. And you uh, absolutely stand by the word uh, son of a gun. Son of a gun. And heck. And heck. There you go. <laughs> Okay. Hey, uh, thank you for the great big Christmas present. I appreciate it. Is it here yet? <laughs> They're knocking. Oh, <laughs> uh, Dr. History.